Hi, I'm Tracy Bowersley. And I'm Brandon Wright. Welcome back to another episode of COVIDcation, the podcast for students, by students, that looks at the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on us. Today, we'll be focusing on mental health. Some of us, including me, have been trying to wrap our heads around how drastically the world has changed and the uncertainties of the future. Tracy, I know you've been going through a lot during the last few months as a mom and a wife. Your husband is an essential worker and you have an adult son at home and a nine-year-old daughter. I do, yes. I know there are people out there with more difficult situations than I have, but I can only speak to my experience and my mental health. Every day, my husband Paul goes off to work, I get anxious, and it is even more heightened on days I have to go do groceries. Being out there and seeing how a simple task as shopping for groceries has become so difficult is an adjustment. Then there's trying to find the mental and physical strength to maintain a household on a full-time basis. I have never cooked so much in my life, Brandon. Then there's trying to homeschool Yahara, my daughter, and also having to complete my responsibilities for this podcast. There isn't much time for me at the end of the day. Wow. I really can't relate and I don't even want to try to relate. My adjustments have just been around the fact that I can't be the social butterfly that I usually am. The hardest part of all of this for me has been only seeing my friends through a computer screen every day. Then at home, I've been seeing the same three people every day for two months and it can get stressful. But this much is clear. Family units have been tested during the pandemic and the social distancing orders. So Tracy, how have you been coping? When the pandemic first restricted us to being home, I would unwind with a glass or two, or if I'm being honest, a bottle. And though I still have a drink here and there, I'm, most moms I do, yeah. I find keeping busy is best and having a routine helps with my daily anxiety. I've also taken up meditation and I try to incorporate the practice into my weekly routine as much as possible. Actually, Tracy, you spoke to a meditation and yoga teacher as well as someone who practices yoga as a healthy outlet in their life. Yes, I did. I spoke to Patricia McPherson, a yoga and meditation teacher in Toronto, Ontario. She started as a student of yoga after she had had three accidents in four years. She became addicted to yoga and decided to get certified as a teacher. I also spoke to 23-year-old Caitlin McLean in Oshawa, Ontario, who took up hot yoga in grade 10. When Caitlin was younger, she had an eating disorder and an unhealthy relationship with working out. When her older sister introduced her to yoga, she found it was a peaceful way to stay healthy and fit. She too became hooked and says it's a vital part of her daily routine. Tracy, when I think of yoga, I think of different awkward positions I'd never be able to do, and I personally don't see it as an exercise that I could ever take part in. Brandon, yoga is different, but it's also a form of mental exercise. And in these times, it can be beneficial. I told Caitlin, I see yoga as meditation with movement, and she agreed. She says, going to yoga class helps her sort out her frustrations and compartmentalize her feelings. I was going through a pretty rough patch, feeling pretty depressed, low, anxious, and whatnot. And going to yoga 
specifically hot classes kind of reminds me that like just keep going on keep moving on keep doing it because usually they say you showed up for a reason it's just one hour of your day you can do whatever else you want to do in your day so put all your effort into it and then at the end of class you can just relax so going in with some sort of heavy thought on my mind by the end of it I'm usually able to like release it and let go of it and to me that kind of builds up mental strength in dealing with different emotions and situations in the moment rather than dealing with them in a more destructive way to me it's more constructive dealing with it uh, like sweating it out in a yoga class the one thing I found interesting is that Caitlin and Patricia's explanations of what yoga does for the engaged individual were very similar. Patricia says, although yoga and meditation can help us through our feelings, we have to make a conscious choice to release those emotions. It takes 90 seconds for an emotion to come in your body, for you to experience it, and then it leaves. But we, as people, hold on to these emotions for decades. Emotions are visitors. They just come, they knock, we let them in, they say what they gotta say, and then we're supposed to show them out, but we don't. We invite them over, we make them a meal, we invite them to stay over, we start giving them money. It's a whole thing. We make them a part of our family. But what you learn through meditation and being the observer, even yoga, being the observer, you learn that emotions are really temporary. They're temporary visitors. Our suffering comes from how we choose to respond and how we choose to handle these visitors. Wow, listening to that, I can think of so many times I've let those emotions waltz right in and take up space in my brain. And I think over the last few months, it's happened even more and more. And on that topic, how did Patricia say yoga and meditation can help us through this pandemic? Patricia told me right now, most of us have all this time and we are finding so many things to do. We find difficulty in just staying still. I just think that, you know, people have a hard time with stillness. You know, we live in a very dynamic culture. We always have to be somewhere. We always have to do something. We always have to call someone. We always have to put on a hat and play a role. That's why so many people, I think, kind of get lost in the world and really don't have an idea of who they are authentically because they've never really had an opportunity to, or they've never given themselves or making the time. And really, it's not even just time. Sometimes it's courage. You know, it's not easy to to sit with yourself in stillness and confront all of these things that are gonna come up. You know, there's a traditional Chinese saying that says, you can only see yourself when the water is still. When the water is rushing, you can't see a reflection of who you are. When the water is still, then you can see who you are. That encompasses meditation and yoga. That's kind of deep. I've never heard someone explain it like that. Neither have I. She definitely gave me food for thought. Thanks for this, Tracy. You've definitely given us all something to think about. Myself included, and you're very welcome.
Questions are still swirling in my head about your conversation with Patricia. How exactly are you meditating? Well, I follow Patricia online and she has virtual lessons almost every day. I've taken her sleep meditation lesson and after Brandon, I swear to you, it feels like I've slept a full night. She also mentioned that there are so many resources individuals can use to get their workout fix online, seeing as gyms are closed. And with the closures of gyms back in March, places like the Flex at Durham College and Ontario Tech University have had to find new ways to get people up and moving. Angie Wood is the fitness coordinator at the Flex. She's learning to help people who may not be as motivated during these times to exercise in ways they may not be used to. Ryan spoke to her and Durham College student, Luke Glendenning, who works at the Flex, about how fitness has changed for both of them. Fitness is not only important for our physical health, but also for our overall health. And it starts by getting up and moving, according to Angie Wood. Well, we definitely know that it's, um important that our bodies move our bodies are meant to move uh, and when we don't we kind of feel this slump we don't feel great uh, we have lack of motivation lack of um, confidence and esteem so not only all the physiological things that happen but just it really does boost our mood um, and one of the things I'm finding right now in this time is that people are even though the number one reason that people don't work out is they say they don't have time uh, and right now unless you're a frontline worker then you're probably got lots of time but even Luke Glendenning found himself struggling to find motivation Routine was something that helped him stay active during school, but he is missing out on that now. Waking up early for classes and then you go into the gym in between classes, that's a great system and I find that it works very well. But when you don't have that and you're at home and you don't really have any set um, things that you have to be doing that day, it kind of, like Angie said, like you have all this time and sometimes I'm not even using it just because I just don't feel the motivation. But it's definitely important to, to try to almost force yourself just to do five, ten minutes. Because once you start, I feel great, and I'm like, okay, I feel more awake, and I feel ready to go. So I definitely think that's something that everybody should be doing. We all should be looking at as students. It's so important to, to exercise and just to keep your mental health at bay. A major part of fitness is the social side. And with social distancing, it limits the ability for us to interact with one another as we did before. But Wood says finding creative ways to still be social is one way to make sure we can still be together. To get creative with you know who would have ever thought that we were creating you know having virtual meetings and doing virtual mindfulness and doing virtual you know and in terms of going back to mental health and mindfulness um there's we have at the ontario tech um campus there's mindfulness across campus where staff members um lead some mindfulness sessions um and they have been more well attended now than they were when it was face to face because people are just finding it more convenient i can jump in for 10 minutes and then leave when i have to go or have to have my next meeting or whatever so i think there's a lot of things that will carry over um between you know the way things were and the way things are currently, and there'll be a blend of, of both of those. Wood knows the importance of the current guidelines, but still wants people to go out and be active to make sure they're taking care of their own health. Uh, I think we need to respect, obviously, what the guidelines are, but also not um, diminish our own health and wellness. Like, if you feel like you, um, oh my gosh, I'm going stir crazy in this house, I need to get out, then that could be a time that, you know, depending on what your restrictions are in your area, that you just need to get out. Um, and even if you, and a lot of people say, you know, like, I just don't have the energy. If you go out or commit to five minutes, chances are once you're out there, you feel so much better and want to continue. So just that little step of making that venture, like you said, vitamin D, all those positive benefits. Glenn Denning has found a way to challenge himself and others as a community to stay active too. People are more motivated, I find, when we can 
kind of like challenge each other and, and make make it a fun thing like oh i did this i'm gonna tag three friends and i saw it all over like everyone from the flex was doing it and it was great it's definitely a way to get that motivation going because i find it it can be hard myself but what i'm working on for us is trying to work on some challenges just for the flex community in general in oshawa ontario i'm ryan Hawk. After listening to Angie, she reminds me that I've been thinking about starting to exercise myself. Brandon, to be honest, I've woken up every morning saying to myself, I should do a virtual workout to start my day. And sadly, hate to admit it, but every morning, I never follow through. Mentally, it's so defeating to not do that one thing for myself. I, I have to agree, it is defeating, but you can't be too hard on yourself. A lot of people, myself included, are lacking the motivation. I agree. The one thing we all have to realize, including myself, is whatever we're thinking and feeling is okay. Now and then, I'm so hard on myself. And these are unprecedented times. It's okay to lack that motivation. It's okay not to feel like yourself. When it comes to mental health, people often find themselves sitting in front of a therapist to get the help they need. But what happens when there's a global pandemic and therapists have to move their help online? Tara spoke to a psychologist in Durham region, Dr. Sean O'Brien, about the impact of the pandemic on mental health. Here's a little bit of the conversation. So how is the social isolation aspect and the pandemic affecting people's mental health? Uh, I'm I have to say for the most part, I'm seeing a pretty negative influence. Um, you know, in my practice and, and a lot of the patients I've been dealing with, uh, I'm probably seeing a, a twofold increase in things like depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress, and so on. Um, and that's just because a lot of people are facing unprecedented stress. I mean, social isolation, as you noted, but in addition, people are under financial stress. Uh, people are, are seriously concerned about their well-being and the, the well-being of loved ones, especially if they've been hospitalized or in old age homes, retirement facilities, and so on. However, at the same time, I think it's important to note that despite all the extra stress, I think there's also been some really positive impacts in some unique ways. And, uh, you know, I, I think, especially here in Canada, one of the things that I've really been hearing from people is that they've been reassured, not only in how people have been adjusting to the pandemic and maintaining things like social isolation or um, uh, physical distancing. But actually, it, in some ways, the pandemic has really brought out the best in people. Um, you look at the work in the military, the healthcare responders, uh, people on the front lines in places like Walmart and uh, the grocery stores who are just uh, essentially really taking care of one another. They're, they're really there to help out. What do you believe will come from the pandemic and people's mental health? Like, how do you think this will impact them in the long run? Well, I think, I think in the short term, we're going to see an influx of mental health difficulties. I mean, a lot of people uh, have not been able to see their practitioners, their family doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists, social workers, and so on. Uh, so I think we're going to see an increase in symptomatology. Uh, there's probably going to be... Um, a short-term mental health pandemic after all of this. You know, I, I've dealt with a lot of people in healthcare, uh, one individual in particular whose role is to liaison between 
patients with COVID and their family members. And what really makes it hard for people like this is that they're having patients die and then dealing with family members who can't be there during the final moments of a loved one's life. And, you know, that brings on such incredible stress. And I think post-traumatic stress conditions in that population are, are going to go up. What kind of changes have people had to make when it comes to doing their therapy? Is there still people coming in to see you for therapy or have you switched to online? Uh, I primarily switched to online. Uh, and again, we've adapted and we've adjusted. There are still some people that I need to see in person um, that are you know, struggling with some pretty significant mental health issues, uh, whether it's severe post-traumatic stress. Uh, I've seen a lot of people, my practice is filled with first responders. So I see a lot of people in the police and military uh, who are working in the emerges and so on. So they're under tremendous stress. And for some of those people, I want to see them in person just because we got to keep them well and we got to help them as they help others. But with other folks, again, we adapt. You know, as anxiety provoking and as difficult as it is, I think if we use our attentional focus, we could really focus on the negative and the catastrophic things, or we could focus on some of the beautiful things that are going on out there. And I think that's the one thing I would advise people is take a moment, take a look around and really appreciate some of the wonderful things we have. And I think that really helps us to feel better, not only about ourselves and our society, but it helps to moderate any of the depression or anxiety that we could be experiencing. I agree with Dr. O'Brien. From personal experience, grounding yourself is so important. A counselor once told me that sometimes you just need to take a moment to be in the present. When I was going to school at Lakehead University in Thunder Bay, if I was having a tough time, I just sat in my dorm, looked at things around the room, and just described them to me. And after a few short minutes, the thing that was bothering me before didn't even matter. Brandon, that's an interesting technique. I might try it one day. In my conversation with Patricia, she said something very similar. She said, you have to learn to find peace within yourself to get to what you want. The outside desires won't get you there. In last week's episode, we discussed COVID-19's impact on the music industry. From canceled shows to job loss, those involved in the world of music are facing many stressors during this time. This week, Melanie spoke to Edmonton, Alberta-based concert photographer, Shayla Lee, about the emotional toll of this pandemic on someone already coping with mental illness. 23-year-old Shayla Lee's career in concert photography began about a year ago. According to Lee, things really started picking up at the beginning of 2020. Then, COVID-19 hit. This year, I kind of transitioned into something where I was like making money from it and like really like beginning to work with artists and like starting to do more creative directing. And, um, Basically overnight it changed. Like I was in Florida for a festival called Okeechobee. And that was like the last festival that I did. I ended up like booking a flight home like about two weeks early just because of like how bad everything got. And then it's kind of like, you don't know like how bad it's gonna get. And then you don't know when it's gonna end. So like for somebody with anxiety or depression or panic or whatever, it's really overwhelming. Lee says this time of the year is typically the busiest for her, but instead of traveling and attending festivals, she's back home with her mom and brother, which, she says, feels like regressing back to her teen years. 
With all of these changes brought on by COVID-19, Lee says she's noticed a shift in her mental health, but each day is different. I'll have like three really good days and I'm like, I'm loving this. Like I'm loving the time just to be able to like cook and bake and do whatever. And then I'll have like a really down day when I'm, when I'm like, oh my gosh, like I miss shooting shows so much. And it's really sad not knowing like when we're gonna have that back because that's such a huge part of my life. Sometimes I get like really down and I am gonna have to like start from square one once shows come back. And I get like in my head and like everything I'm, I've worked for, I'm gonna lose. But then my therapist told me that she's like, everybody is in the same position as you. Lee has been seeing her therapist for two and a half years. She says her sessions, which happen about once a month, have been very helpful during this time. Lee says the transition from in-person sessions to online wasn't too difficult because she already feels comfortable with her therapist. Luckily, because I've been seeing my therapist for so long, I feel like we already like work so well together and she knows what helps me and I know kind of like how to guide my therapy sessions. So there hasn't been like too much of like a shift, but I think if I was somebody that hadn't gone to therapy before and had to start with the online sessions, it would be kind of overwhelming because it doesn't seem like as real when it's just somebody like behind a computer. Besides her therapy sessions, Lee has established other healthy methods of staying calm and busy during the pandemic. Try to work out every day, which is really helpful. Um, If I'm feeling really anxious or stressed, even just like reaching out to a friend, texting them because so many of us are going through the same thing. Or like cooking and baking is like really good for my anxiety, I find, because it just kind of like gives me like a couple hours to like get out of my head and just like focus on something else. This is a stressful time in the world, and Lisa, she feels it's important to reach out for help if you need to. You're not alone. So many of us are experiencing things that we've never felt before, and it's really overwhelming and scary not knowing, like like you said earlier, when this is going to end. Like, we don't have an end date. Um, so for somebody with mental health issues, the last, like the uncertainty is, is a huge trigger for us. So if you do need to talk to somebody, it's okay to reach out to a therapist or if that's not an option financially, there's so many people that you can talk to online, like online communities. And like my therapist said, like we need to be more gentle to ourselves at this time because we're living through a pandemic. In Whippy, Ontario, I'm Melanie Lennon. It's really important to take care of ourselves now more than ever. Whether it's by going for a run to clear your mind or listening to your favorite podcast. Or rocking out to your favorite songs. Last week, we introduced you to a music therapist at Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto, Ontario. We only got to hear a bit from her about what music means to us. But then we got thinking, what role can music play in a pandemic? I asked Carolyn Marshall about how music can help everyone during this unprecedented time. The dictionary definition of music is vocal or instrumental sounds, or both, combined in such a way as to produce beauty of form, harmony, and expression of emotion. As we learned last week, For music therapist Carolyn Marshall, 
music can be so much more because it's always in us. So music is, I like to say that it's a, it's an art form that can go beyond even our, you know, our thinking, our emotions, because our bodies are actually the biggest musical instrument. When we think about breathing, when we think about our heartbeat, when we think about um, the way that cells have to move in a way through our bodies that create this symbiosis. And, and suddenly now, are all those things working together, when they're working together, we've got this literally perfect harmony. Marshall has been a music therapist at SickKids Hospital in Toronto, Ontario for more than eight years. She works with patients at the hospital in musical interventions or therapy sessions through singing, songwriting, or playing instruments. She also involves patients' families because she says music can support everyone throughout even the toughest of times. Marshall says science continues to prove there's a connection between music and mental health. What, what we've begun to understand is that music incorporates the entire brain system. So it's not just, okay, my right side and my left side is out of this. Actually, music can cross both hemispheres of the brain and so now can incorporate areas of the body and of the mind that we didn't expect. Many of us know firsthand how hospitals have changed over the last two months. Fewer visits, one person to a room, and many other restrictions. Marshall says the changes in hospital protocols have actually brought about a positive experience for music therapists. There are less activities and interventions for patients and families. So what that has done though, it has enabled nurses, doctors, and families and caregivers be even more appreciative of the work that we do, right? So they always thought music therapy is great. Now they're like, oh my gosh, it's even greater because we don't have the volunteers, we don't have the students, we don't have the playrooms. My actual practice in terms of how I'm musicking the interventions that I'm using with patients and families hasn't really changed. Um, but I think the, the significance of knowing what we do, we carry that with us more and more. Now, Marshall says musical interventions can be done in many ways. She just wants people to know that it can be done at home too. For someone who is down, I would suggest to, to play the music and to be engaged in the music that they've always loved. Um, and then perhaps when you kind of meet yourself right there, you might find that you're feeling a little bit more inspired, a little bit more encouraged. And if you're feeling inspired and feeling encouraged, you might then want to be creative. What do I have around my home that I can hit. I mean, like we're coming back to like toddler times of getting pots and pans and like just hitting and making some drums, but okay, fine. I may not be a drummer, but what do I have around my house? You know, that thing of pasta that I can just shake like I'm a maraca so that I can be in this music in time as I'm listening to this music that has always brought me joy, this music that has always made me feel good. And as much as I may not be able to go out and be involved with people, um, but I can be creative. In Oshawa, Ontario, I'm Brandon Wright. There is one major takeaway from today's show. We should be prioritizing our mental health all the time, but it's even more vital right now. We don't realize the kind of things we use as outlets, and now most of them have been taken away. Last week, we spoke 
about the impact of not being able to go to concerts, about artists not releasing music that we were anticipating, and for me, about not having access to retail therapy. Well, Tracy, the biggest outlet many of us use aside from your retail therapy is sports. And on next week's show, you'll hear from a local Olympian, a sportsman anchor, and a newly drafted CFL player. We'll also hear from Anthony Stewart, a former NHL player, about how his whole life has been impacted by COVID-19. But with the hockey school now, it's more just all about support. Um, later on today, we have a, a team workout on Zoom. So all the kids will be 17 kids working out to, to Zoom, which is good. So, you know, the pandemic's, you know, finding ways to have people become creative and I'm no different. That's all for this week's episode of COVIDcation. Thank you so much for joining us. We leave you with a song by the band Crownlands. The Canadian rock band duo from Oshawa won the Oshawa Music Award for Band of the Year two years in a row. This song has been streamed more than 850,000 times. Here's Crownlands with Mountain. Still here.